Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Hannah Holman, the principal cellist for the Quad City Symphony Orchestra, about her talk about Eleanor Aller Slatkin this Wednesday, October 2nd, at the Figgy Art Museum, prior to the screening of the vintage 1946 movie Deception. Welcome, Hannah. Good morning, Carolyn. Happy to be here. Now, you'll be performing the Corn Gold Cello Concerto this weekend during the symphony's first Masterworks performance, and that's on October 5th and 6th. And that particular concerto was written for the film Deception, hence it's showing at the Figgy. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to the female cellist, Eleanor Aller, in a moment. But first, how would you describe the Corn Gold Concerto? Well, I mean, Corn Gold was really, uh, at this point in his life, um, thoroughly involved and invested in being a film composer. And um, I think he really follows the theme of the movie in the music you can really hear it the drama and the strife and the passion and the love and all of that <laughs> is in the music so it matches the this genre this kind of film noir or dark film um which is kind of a, a stylish hollywood crime drama so the music really is paired well with the the context of the movie itself that's right yeah mm-hmm. And you know, despite the drama in the in the movie, I read that it was the romantic movement uh, or music, the very very romantic music written by Korngold that carries the movie itself. I mean, that's really the heart of it. There's a lot of like um, big drama, but it's like you know, it's like you open up something and it's the very beautiful tiny thing in the middle that's really you know the core and the heart of it. The film Deception, for those who haven't seen it, it's a story of um, of intrigue, jealousy, and, and deception. And it features Betty Davis. And there's a love triangle between Betty Davis's character and this lover of hers who's a cellist, who she believes, erroneously, that, um, that he'd been killed during World War II. And then also with a ruthless composer. As a cellist yourself, what makes this film so fascinating to watch for you? Well... Um, so many things, I guess. Um, there aren't all that many films about cellists, um, a few, but, um, there's, you know, usually the cellist, like as in James Bond's movie, you know, has a little feature role here or there, but this is really about like the cello and the instrument and, and actually the compositional process of writing a cello concerto is just so interesting. I mean, and then of course there's the um, kind of bad faking by Paul Henry, but he did actually take some cello lessons, so it didn't look <laughs> terrible. <laughs> he well, he must have it must have been a quite uh, mesmerizing performance though, because I think it, maybe it's just at the conclusion, but at the end, um, many people thought that he actually was the person playing the cello. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a BBC documentary about Korngold and the process of making this movie actually uh, done by Leonard Slatkin and his brother, uh, Frederick Slotkin, who are the children of Eleanor Aller. Um, and in that documentary, they talk about 
how they faked Paul Henry's playing the cello. And it's really cool. Like they showed somebody, not a cello, sitting at the cello. And like each of them put a hand through this person's jacket and were like the hands, like left hand and the right hand as the bow. And so like for the close-ups, that's how they did it. Well, it must have been very convincing because I think a lot of people, it sounds like, didn't realize that it was really Eleanor Aller who was playing that, who had recorded it ahead of time. Right. Oh, cool. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> huh. And you see the the concerto being written throughout the film mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I know. It's really cool. So makes this idea just, at the piano. And I mean, I think it's so interesting because a lot of people, myself included, like, you know, and it's probably different for many composers, but to, you know, see through the compositional process and like, you know, it's kind of a shared idea and like, you know, there's some back and forth and, you know, you kind of forget, you think it just comes out well and different composers are of course different, but you know, it doesn't always just come out. Boom. That's it. <laughs> Immediately prior to the film showing at the Figgy on Wednesday. Now you won't you won't be playing yourself. That that performance will will happen um, this coming weekend. But you'll be talking about Eleanor Aller, um, and tell us a little bit more about her. Who was she? Um, what were her notable accomplishments? Well, um, I'm going to back up just a little bit because uh, I joined the New York City Ballet Orchestra in 2012, and the principal cellist. There is um, Frederick Zlatkin, and like the first day I was at work, he came up and he said, well, hi, I'm Fred Zlatkin, and I don't know, somehow we started talking about, you know, his brother is the conductor, Leonard Slacken, and he said, well, of course you know about my mom, right? And, you know, I am a pretty big cello geek, and he said, well, my mom was principal cellist of the Warner Brothers Studio Orchestra. I was like, Really? I haven't heard of her. And, and, uh, so then he, uh, helped me get a lot of information about her and we did an interview and, um, I ended up doing a video about her just because, um, she is such an incredible cellist and a lot of people have not heard of her, even like cello geeks like myself. So I wanted to try to change that, but, um, she was born, um, in 1917 and um, she was born into a, a musical family, and she started playing cello at, I'm looking over my notes here, um, with her father at age nine, and in one year won a competition in Hollywood where the family had relocated. She was born in New York. Um, at 16, she won a place and a scholarship to the Juilliard School, where she was in the cello studio of Felix Salmond, and, um, and Salmond uh went on to teach Leonard Rose and Frank Miller, the principal cellist of Chicago Symphony. Eleanor could have had a solo career, uh, but I think actually one of the things I'm going to be doing at the Figgy is showing clips of her actually talking in an interview and her playing. So you guys should all come. (laughs) But uh, she said herself that her real love was chamber music, and she got this job at Warner Brothers, And in 1939, she became principal. She was one of the few women principals in any position. It's still rare today. And she also met her husband that year uh, in 1939, Felix Slatkin. He was a violinist and 
composer, uh, sorry, excuse me, conductor. And um, together they started the Hollywood String Quartet, which uh, won Grammys and uh, incredible sounding quartet. She really had a long, illustrious career. When I think about, you know, a woman um, becoming the principal cellist for Warner Brothers back in the late 1930s, that mm-hmm. is, that really is extraordinary. Yeah. And she had, she had such a long career. Um, yeah, she held that, that position for 36 years. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's really a long time. Why do you think her musical legacy and accomplishments have been uh, forgotten a little bit? That's a very good question. Well, partially because I think she was, you know, maybe not a soloist. So her name, uh, her name as a soloist and just, you know, as a standalone person didn't get out there as much as um, being part of Warner Brothers or part of um, the Hollywood String Quartet. So um, partially that, I don't know. That's a, it, it, it deserves, she deserves to be known. So I'm, hoping to change that a little bit at a time. <laughs> well, I think you will. <laughs> you know, and the pairing of this vintage movie Deception with your upcoming Masterworks performance is a really great example of the creativity and, and fresh approach to programming that the QCSO has been doing lately. And, and how did you come up with this, this idea? Because I I, um, I understand really you were the mastermind behind this. this. How, did, how did that come about? Well, I, you know, upon watching the movie and learning that there even was a corn gold cello concerto, which I did not know. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a, like the music is awesome. And I think people need to learn about the music, um, and experience it, but also B, like at the same time, then I can kind of get the message of Eleanor out there too in performing the concerto. And I'm so, so tickled that, um, that we are getting to show the film too, because I feel like you can understand the concerto so much better having watched the film. So I, I'm super excited. At this point in history where, where we are right now, we're finally seeing women artists get their long overdue recognition. And so I love the fact that you're highlighting Eleanor Aller, Eleanor Aller Slatkin calling attention, not just to her career, but to other women in the musical world as well. It's um, uh, are, <laughs> yeah, how are women faring in the conducting world? Uh, very about. well. I, I, almost every day I read about a new female conducting appointment somewhere in the world. So that's very exciting. I'm, I'm so happy about that. It, there was a couple of pioneers, uh, Marin Alsop, um, who, by the way, a sidebar, she is connected to the New York City Ballet too. Both of her parents uh, were in the New York City Ballet Orchestra. Her dad was concert master and her mom was a cellist and I think I actually have her mom's seat in the ballet <laughs> small world um, it so is a small world Marin Alsop was kind of you know she was kind of leading the charge as well as Joanne Folletta she's done a lot for women conductors and um, and finally like it feels like they've been pushing and now some other women are getting to kind of stand on all the work that they've done. Mm-hmm. Well, what you're doing in that respect is, is really so important. And, and um, beyond, you know, beyond the musical world, theaters have recently been promoting plays written by female playwrights. And, and museums like the Figgy are intentionally acquiring more 
works by female artists who've traditionally been underrepresented in their galleries. So it's about time. Right, exactly. I just was speaking to somebody here in New York uh, yesterday that there was more and more museums here. There's a great installation at one of the museums um, all done by a female artist. So yes, it's, hmm. it's the wave. <laughs> This weekend, um, during the Masterworks performance, you'll be performing a piece written by the composer Jennifer Higdon, so a female composer. Tell us a little bit about that piece. It's called Soliloquy, and it's for cello and strings. Um, so it's uh, very intimate. It's kind of slow. It's a little enigmatic. And and um, I got a chance to perform it in Indiana a couple weeks ago, and both the conductor and I were kind of scratching our heads like what's that we don't quite understand the meaning of this piece and then it just you kind of play it and and even the program notes are you know very vague and it's kind of perfectly vague because you just enter into this whole other world and um I don't know I think it's a kind of tribute to a lost love or something but I don't want to you know, <laughs> um, I think everybody should come to it and just experience it. It's not very long. It's like eight minutes. And that will be Saturday night at the Adler and oh, Saturday, Saturday and at Sunday. Centennial mm-hmm. Hall on the Augustana College campus. Yeah. Um, just to get back to the movie again, Deception, right. there's so many um, so many things that I find really interesting in it besides mm-hmm. showcasing the the cellist and the and the music that you'll be playing. There, there are all these... Um, Really, kind of quirky connections between um, between character, real life characters, say the composer Korngold, and and um, and characters in the movie. the The composer Korngold was mm-hmm. was Jewish. He was from Austria. He escaped the horrors of World War II really through a twist of fate. He happened to be in um, in Los Angeles writing the score to a different movie. Uh, when the Nazis invaded Austria. And then um, one of the main mm-hmm. characters in Deception uh, was uh, also imprisoned somewhat during World War II, was believed to have been killed. Um, and I was really struck by that, that, that connection. It's a great story. It is a really great story. You're so right. And I, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm biased, I suppose. But I do think that, you know, he felt definitely connected to the story of this uh, film. And so, you know, all of his music is great, but this feels, again, the the tender themes in the cello concerto feel very personal. Mm -hmm. Is it a more powerful experience for you when you're playing a piece like this concerto with with such history behind it? I think so, yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, whatever you're performing, you know, you have to embody that piece. But... You know, the more uh, you know and the more you're connected to it, the more you bring to it. So, yes, I definitely feel very close with this piece. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to share it. Well, we can't wait <laughs> to hear this it. this will be the Quad City <laughs> um, premiere. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, because uh, for those who go to the symphony, you're so visible right there in the front on stage. How long have you been with the QCSO? And tell us a little bit about your training. Okay. Um, Let's see. Well, I joined the Quad City Symphony as a cello section member in 2001 when I first moved to Iowa. Um, And then I got busy with um, the Maya String Quartet at the University of Iowa, and I had 
uh, a, a baby who is not so baby <laughs> anymore. Um, so I actually resigned from the section spot in 2005. Um, and then uh, I heard that Mark Russell Smith was coming to town. And then I heard that there was a principal cello opening. And um, in 2008, I took that uh, audition and won it. So I've been principal for 11 years now. And I treasure every moment. Well, <laughs> so we do too. To yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been so wonderful having you in this community. How did you know Mark Russell Smith? Uh, well, we worked together. I was in the Richmond Symphony um, in Virginia from 1998 to 2000. Um, and Mark came. I was there during his audition for Richmond Symphony. And then uh, I worked with him for like a year and a half before mm-hmm. I resigned. <laughs> and how old were you when you learned to play the cello? I was curious about uh, that. Yeah, I well, I have a lot of cello in my family. Um, I started when I was five with my grandmother, whose cello I will be playing on on um, Saturday and Sunday nights. Um, and that feels, again, like, I don't know, her name was also Eleanor. <laughs> And, so um, many connections. I know. Uh, and that cello was actually built in Chicago in 1925. And so I I don't know. I just feel such a connection to my grandmother when I'm playing on that cello. I'm going to get all, like, choked up here. <laughs> is, that, um, is, that, is that the instrument that you always perform on? Do you travel uh, with that? Yes. Or do yeah, you- pretty much. I do. When I'm in New York, I do have two cellos. I keep one in my locker at Lincoln Center and one uh, at the apartment. So I don't have to carry the cello back and forth on the subway every day. Um, but yes, my good instrument is this uh, cello uh, by Carl Becker. That was my grandmother's. So, yep. And I'm flying it home with me on Wednesday and it's going to have a seat right next to me on the plane. <laughs> do you have to purchase a ticket for the cello? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you do your, tr- your musical training? Well, after I studied with my grandmother, um, she sent me to this amazing cello teacher named Louis Potter, who was a professor emeritus at Michigan State. So from the age of like 11 till 17, for six years, I studied in East Lansing every week with Louis Potter. And these lessons were so important to me. They were like, he was retired, and so he'd just have like one student a day, and they were epic lessons, let me tell you, like at least two-hour lessons. And it, yes, we covered cello technique and and everything like that. But it was also, you know, about life and food and music and politics, like everything in there. Which, you know, I think, you know, it's all it's very important to learn how to execute your instrument well. But it's so much more than that. So, I that was really important for me as a student. And I try to share that same experience with my students today because, I don't know, it's important. Anyway, um, I went to the Eastman School of Music when I graduated. And I have to say that it was not the best match for me. And I had a couple of soul-searching years. And actually, I quit music. And after two years, I transferred back to Michigan State, and I was a pre-med major because I kind of thought music needs to be fun. And if I'm not having fun um, 
I can't share that love and joy with the audience. So what's the point? I'm going to be an amateur and keep it, you know, my love of it alive. Anyway, obviously I found my way back. (laughs) So how did you rediscover that joy? Do you think it was just a different stage in your life or do you think it was being surrounded by different people in a different environment? I think it was, I think it was being kind of back home. I think actually Michigan state is a really, really fine institution and music school. And, uh, at that time it was very exciting. The Verdere trio, uh, were there and they had, uh, they traveled all over the world. It was a, they are a, a, a trio of violin, clarinet and piano, and they commission new works and they travel all over the world. And so they had a ton of international students at Michigan state. And so for, you know, a variety of reasons that made it so much more colorful, like everybody was bringing something wildly different to the table. So it was, it was very fun. I, I was playing chamber music with, I think I was the only American in this quartet. And so, you know, it was, it was, I don't know. Yeah. I, I thank goodness found my way back. Mm-hmm. I've been curious about this for a while because your schedule seems really um, so complicated. How do professional musicians achieve balance in their lives with their performance and teaching and travel schedules? Um, uh, very carefully, uh, we have to do a lot of planning and it's kind of like a patchwork quilt. Uh, and and that's what, it's definitely not a nine to five desk job, which is good and bad. You know, um, sometimes there's everything comes at once. And then sometimes there's, uh, many fallow periods where, you know, there's the phone is not ringing. (laughs) Um, so you just have to be ready for everything and, and practice and stay in shape um, so that when it is busy, you know, you're hopefully ready to go. Mm-hmm. But it is, um, it is kind of a, a balancing act. Yeah, I can only imagine. And, you know, the pieces the mu- that you play, the music that you perform is so, so complicated, so complex. How long does it take to learn a piece like like you're playing this weekend, the Corn Gold Concerto? Um, that's a great question. It's a new piece for me. I mean, there's some pieces, you know, that I studied when I was younger. And so they're in the bank for many more decades. But the Corn Gold was new to me and probably started learning it in the fall of 2017. And I got a couple of chances to perform it in Bemidji and Bismarck uh, last um, March of 2018. So it's in there, but you know, again, it's new and, and you can keep practicing and it's like you keep peeling off the layers and discovering new things and um, new approaches and a better fingering or a better bowing. So it's kind of endless. (laughs) When you say in the bank, do you mean that once you learn a piece, you can almost always recall it at a later date? Um, more or less, like there's, there's definitely some passages of certain pieces that, you know, demand more practice than others. And everybody's different. You know, some people need a lot of practice time and some people don't. So, you know, you just kind of have to get to know yourself and get to know what level of, you know, 
preparation you need. And that's different for everybody. Well, Hannah Holman, thank you so much for talking today. It was, it was a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure was all mine, Carolyn. Thank you so much. Come to the Figgy Art Museum on Wednesday, October 2nd for a free screening of the classic 1946 film noir movie, Deception. Prior to the film, Hannah Holman, the principal cellist for the QCSO, will talk about the Korngold Cello Concerto and about Eleanor Aller Slatkin, the cellist who originally performed the music for the film's recording. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. and seats are available on a first-come, first-served basis, so don't be late. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities, for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal. Thank you.